great to be here for our first ever 11 a.m. meeting on a Sunday morning. And um, this is the kind of meeting that um, it's never happened before. I think that five years from now, seven years from now, you'll be able to turn to the person uh, 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 you're talking to and say to them, do you remember that meeting? I was there for the very first one. In fact, you can do that right now. You can turn to your neighbor and say, I was there. And I'll reply to them, I know, because I can see you. We're here at the start of a, 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 a brand new meeting. We're also here at the start of a brand new series, Nairobi Yangu, Nairobi Yangu. It means my Nairobi, and it's about our heart as a church to own this great green city in the sun in all of its blessing, but also in all of its brokenness. How many of you know that Nairobi is full of blessing? It's full of life. It's full of energy. It's full of opportunity. It's full of diversity. It's full of so many good things. But Nairobi is also full of brokenness. And so we're going to take some time over the next few weeks to talk about tribalism, to talk about corruption, to talk about terror, to talk about sexual immorality, to talk about gambling. We want to be people who love Nairobi, and the better we know and understand Nairobi, the better that we can love Nairobi and speak into Nairobi. And this week, we're going to be talking about tribalism, and uh, we're going to be doing that by looking at uh, an Old Testament story about a guy called Jephthah. And then we're going to talk about Jesus and how he's the solution to that. And so if you've got your Bibles, please turn to the book of Judges, chapter 11. And we're going to see that tribalism is something that is right now today tearing the world apart, but it's nothing new. We see it all through Scripture. In fact, much of the Old Testament is the story of a divided kingdom, a people of God, Israel, who are given promised land, but... Because of tribalism, they ended up separating into two kingdoms. One nation, but with two kings. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, divided along tribal lines. Today, the world is divided along tribal lines. It's divided between Russian and Ukrainian. I grew up in a place called Bulawayo in Zimbabwe, and the divide in Zimbabwe is between Shona and Ndebele. And one hour from the home where I grew up, while I was growing up, a genocide took place. Some would say 20,000 people from one tribe killed by another tribe, perpetuated, engineered by the government, the government never apologized. A few decades later, the president at that time, Robert Mugabe, he looked back on it and he described it as a moment of madness in our nation's history. Closer to home, we're living in the shadow of the Rwandan genocide on the one hand, and even closer to home, we're living in the shadow of post-election violence that Kenya's experienced, that Nairobi has experienced. And this tribalism works itself out today in different ways. It works it out 
works itself out in the life of someone who's applying for a job. And as they're applying, they get the sense that my competence for this job is actually in many ways secondary to what tribe I'm from and who I know. It works itself out when there are whole organizations where it's known, in this organization, we only really want people from this tribe. It works itself out, and this one was a new one for me, on social media groups. There are WhatsApp groups that are only for people of a certain tribe. And you're thinking, I didn't know that. That's because you're from the wrong tribe. I heard this and I thought to myself, my goodness, I can't believe that there are WhatsApp groups, face group groups, that are only for people of a certain tribe. I thought to myself, I would never join a group like that. And then I remembered something called Nairobi Expats Marketplace on Facebook. Did you know there was such a group? You didn't know, Gloria, there's a group like that. And before you join Gloria, they check that you're an expat because they don't want non-expats. And when they're selling cars on this group, to increase the value of the car, they promise you this car has never been driven by a Kenyan. It's only driven, am I lying, expats? I am not lying. Tribalism is alive and well in Nairobi today. But the Bible is as up-to-date as tomorrow's newspaper. The Bible, Scripture says, is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, penetrating, separating joint and marrow, soul and spirit. God, would your word come and do that? as we study it this morning. So we start with a man called Jephthah. God's people out of Egypt into promised land. In the promised land, each tribe is given territory. Joshua dies, and before they go into the time of having kings, the first of whom was Saul, the people of God went through a period of being led by leaders who were given the title judge, Hence the name of the book, Judges. And one judge was a guy called Jephthah. Jephthah was a Gileadite. That was an area, Jordan River, sea, east of the Jordan, was an area called Gilead. That's where Jephthah was from. He was a mighty warrior. It just so happened that he was a Gileadite and his father was also called Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You are not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. Three themes that we're going to draw out here before we continue with the story. 
that will inform our understanding from a biblical perspective of tribalism. How does it develop? Well, very often, tribalism starts with diversity. It starts with a difference of some sort. It can be anything. I remember I was in high school, and uh, my uh, high school biology teacher, he'd been teaching at the school for 30 years, which is a long time, but when you're 15 years old like I was, that's double your lifetime. You think this man, is, he's been here forever. And he said that you can never eliminate bullying from a school. Because if you have three children playing together, two of them will always gang up and bully the third. That's what's happening here. Diversity. How was Jephthah different? Jephthah was different because even though he had the same father as all of his brothers, he was the OG brother from another mother. And so they said, we don't want you. Diversity is a breeding ground for tribalism. And Nairobi is a very diverse city. Kenya's got over 40 different ethnic groups that meet together in Nairobi. And diversity is a breeding ground for differences, differences of cultural tradition. This is how we do things. This is how we get married. This is what we do when a child is born. Differences of language. Different historical experiences. And then what happens is, as time has gone by, one generation hands down stereotypes about other tribes to the next generation. We see this tendency. It's, it's, it's our way of trying to understand the world. So many different people. How, how, do, you, how, do, you understand, how do you understand the world? Or well, one of the ways we cope with the diversity around us is by profiling people or stereotyping people. So when you hear that someone is a good marathon runner, what tribe comes to mind? When you hear that someone is a good business person, what tribe comes to mind? When you hear that someone is very educated, what tribe comes to mind? Strong Luo contingent. Are you all sitting together? I just need to know. Narratives get handed down. But then what happened in the history of Kenya is that on top of this diversity, colonialism supercharged this diversity in that the colonial authorities, when they came, they divided, they, they treated different ethnic groups differently and they exploited the differences between ethnic groups in a divide and rule strategy. Something that was done here in Kenya, but on another level in uh, Rwanda, where in Rwanda, there was one group, no differences. And the colonial authorities came and said, no, you will be two different groups. And that sowed the seeds for the later genocide that happened. Colonialism came and the church brought the gospel, thank God. 
but in some ways exacerbated the problem because when churches arrived, they said, okay, your church, your church will go to that part of Kenya. Your denomination will go to that part of Kenya. And so you ended up with whole churches that were entirely made up of one linguistic group or predominantly one linguistic group. And the church is divided. So first you have diversity, then you have colonialism, and then you have economic inequality. So you see difference in Jephthah. He's different from his brothers in a certain way. And then you see this economic issue, which often is the driver in terms of tribalism. And here we see that it was about the inheritance. They said, we don't want you here because there's an inheritance. There's money and property involved. And when it becomes time to divide the inheritance, we don't want to have to share our inheritance with you. And so the sooner you leave, the better. So similarly, in Kenya, a country like other countries with limited resources, one group can feel exploited by another group. And one group in authority or power, and we'll come to that just now, can take advantage of other groups. And this supercharges, it fuels tribalism. Verse 4, sometime later when the Ammonites, the Ammonites are not Israel, they are a nation neighboring Israel and often hostile to Israel. The Ammonites were fighting against Israel. The elders of Gilead went to get, guess who? Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said. Be our commander so that we can fight the Ammonites. Jephthah said to them, wait a minute. Didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, nevertheless, we are coming to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites and you will be head over all of us who live in Gilead. It's easy to miss that a negotiation is taking place over here. They come to him and they say to him, Jephthah, we want you to come and be our commander. And that Hebrew word means the ruler of our armed forces, a military ruler, but still under our authority. Jephthah says, no, 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 there's a lot of water under the bridge, guys. And so they increased their offer. They said, okay, First, we ask you to be our commander, but in this last verse, they just said to him, if you'll come and lead us, you'll be our head. That's a political term, more like a king over everyone, not just a commander in the army. They said, you'll be head over all of us who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead replied, the Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. And so here we see some political maneuvering happening within the Gileadites. And politics plays a powerful role in tribalism in Nairobi and in Kenya. Very often politicians will ride on the ticket of, I am part of this people. And you need to vote for me because I'm the same as you perpetuating an idea that no one will look after your interests quite like someone who's the same tribe as you. Fuels tribalism. 
story continues, and uh, Jephthah becomes their head. As their head, he attempts to negotiate with the Ammonites. The negotiations are unsuccessful. They break down. And so uh, Jephthah then goes to war with the Ammonites. His war is successful. He beats them. But then after that, some fellow Israelites called the Ephraimites from the uh, from the uh, a tribe or half-tribe of Ephraim, they come to Jephthah, and the Ephraimites are troublemakers so far in the book of Judges, and they're at it again. The Ephraimite forces were called out, and they crossed over to Zaphon. They said to Jephthah, why did you go fight the Ammonites without calling us to go with you? We're going to burn down your house over your head. Jephthah answered, He's having none of it. I and my people were engaged in a great struggle with the Ammonites. And although I called you, you didn't save me out of their hands. When I saw that you wouldn't help, I took my life in my hands and crossed over to fight the Ammonites. And the Lord gave me the victory over them. Now why have you come up today to fight me? Jephthah then called together the men of Gilead. And this is tragic they fought against Ephraim. This is no longer Israel against another nation. This is Israel, the rescued and redeemed people of God, fighting brother against brother. Tribalism. The Gileadites struck them down because the Ephraimites had said, you Gileadites are renegades from Ephraim and Manasseh. You're not a proper tribe. You're a bunch of rebels led by the chief rebel, Jephthah. We know his background. So here's what happened. Jordan River, region of Gilead to the east, Ephraim's territory to the west. Ephraim came over the Jordan to say to Jephthah, why did you go to battle without us? They go to battle east of the Jordan. Gilead beats Ephraim, just like Ireland beat the Springboks yesterday. And there's a retreat. The treat, retreat had to be across the Jordan River. You cross the Jordan at places called fords that had low water levels where you could cross over. Gilead takes control of these crossing places at the Jordan as the Ephraimites are retreating. And whenever a survivor of Ephraim said, let me cross over, the men of Gilead asked him, are you an Ephraimite? If he replied no, they said, all right, say Shibboleth. If he said Sibboleth, because he could not pronounce the word correctly, they seized him and killed him at the fords of the Jordan. Gukura Hundi in Buluwai, Zimbabwe, 20,000 people, one tribe killed. Rwandan genocide, some estimate 800,000 killed. Something more. This is where it has its roots. 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. 
It's the effect. Do you see what's happening here? I want you to understand the human heart. These people were, they had a common ancestor in Abraham. They were distant relatives. They spoke the same language. They looked like one another. They'd have dressed like one another. That's why it wasn't like, oh, no, no, your skin is this color. You must be from this tribe. They were brothers. Only way they could distinguish one another was Shibboleth versus Sibboleth. Ephraimites couldn't pronounce it. Now, I'm told that all tribes in Kenya are able to pronounce all letters of the alphabet with equal skill and dexterity. Why, Igwe, am I, that's not true. So up on the screen, we're going to do a tribe test. I want you to say the sentence up on the screen. Slowly, then quickly. Here we go. A loyal warrior will rarely worry why we rule. A bit faster. Will rarely worry why we rule. Last time, fast as you can. A loyal warrior will rarely worry why we rule. Now, if your tongue is tired at this point in time, you might be Kikuyu, I don't know. But the subtlest of differences are worth killing over. This is the world that we live in and the world that the Bible was written in. But we find the answers to the deepest problems that we face in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the conflict in the Middle East. He's the answer to the Ukraine-Russia conflict. He's the answer to the tribalism in the city of Nairobi. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer because Jephthah was a mighty warrior, but Jesus is our better and greater Jephthah. How so? Well, Jephthah was the one who brought rescue to the people of God, and Jesus is the one who brings rescue to the people of God. They're similar because Jephthah was rejected by his half-brothers, yet chosen by God. He was rejected by his brothers from another mother, but still he was chosen by God. Jesus, the Bible says, came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. He was the half-brother of mankind, if you like, because he was born of a woman, but had no earthly father. He was rejected by us, even though he was the chosen means for bringing us peace, first with God and also with one another. Jesus is the answer, because just like Jephthah, Jephthah was rejected by people the very people who actually needed him and came and said, please rule over us. Jesus has been rejected by mankind, but he's the very one that we need to rule over us if we are to come out of the darkness that is tribalism and corruption and sexual immorality and gambling 
and, and, and. Jesus is our answer. Jephthah was rejected. Jesus was rejected. Isaiah 53 says that our Savior was despised and rejected by men. It says that he was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. This is our Savior, friends. And if you've never been despised, if you aren't currently feeling the sting of rejection, this is average news. But if you've ever felt the true sting of rejection, the true sting of being despised, then your heart will sing as you recognize a Savior who also was despised and rejected. He felt the sting of racism. He felt the sting of tribalism. He knew what it was to look, be looked down upon because of his, his, his work. Just a carpenter. He knew what it was to be looked down upon because of where he came from. Can anything good come from that place? Friends, this is our Savior. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Been rejected by society, yet he is the one that we need. 1 Peter 2 says, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion. He's a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, how many of you believe? This stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. This goes back to a time, a story is told when they were building the temple. And when they were building the temple, they gathered all the stones together, but there was one stone that didn't look like all the others. And they said, this is a strange stone. We're going to reject the stone. This stone has no place in our building. But as they proceeded with the building, they came to a point where they realized, a crucial point, that that stone that they had rejected was the only stone that would fit in as the capstone, the chief stone, the cornerstone. And the Bible says Jesus is just like that. We reject him because we think that we don't need him. I'm rich enough. I'm connected enough. I'm clever enough. I'm educated enough. The Bible says none of that. None of that is good enough. It's only Jesus who has the capacity to hold everything together as the cornerstone, the capstone. Jesus came and, test and tasted tribalism with us and for us to be part of the answer. And he came and died on the cross. And having died on the cross, Paul looks back at what happened on the cross to explain to us this is how it works in terms of tribalism. I need some volunteers. Please come on up. I just uh, I think it will help us. We can have someone under the age of 20. Come on up. <laughs> under the age of 20, going once, going twice. Everyone's nervous. Okay, I'm feeling loved and supported up here, guys. Thank you. Under the age of 25. Okay, any five people, come on up. Just come on up, come on up, come on up. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Fantastic. Just say, just say your tribe out loud. 
Okay. Luya, Kikuyu, Luo. Okay? You can assume differences of different kinds. Men, tribe. Woman, tribe. Deritu has just submitted his master's thesis. Someone else might, might not have a, someone else might not have been to high school. Someone else might be working on their PhD. Tribes of different kinds. And the temptation, help me out here, guys. And you can fill in the blank with whatever you like. They might say, I am better because I am a Luya. You can stand up there because you're better. And they say, no, better than being a Luya is to be a Luo. Can the Luo stand up there? And he can say to her, it is better to be a man. Can you stand up there? And she can say, no, it is better to be a woman. Can you stand up there? And up there as well, just come together. I know that you're tribalists, but okay. <laughs> Martin Lloyd-Jones says, when I look at the cross and see him dying there, what he tells me is this. Luya, Luo, Kikuyu, men, women, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, you have nothing whereof to boast. The cross tells me that I am a complete failure, white or black, rich or poor, Kenyan or expat, or expat, town girl or from up country. You have nothing whereof to boast. The cross tells me that I'm a complete failure and that I'm such a failure that he had to come down from heaven to die on that cross. Nothing else could save us. He says this, it brings us all to our knees. Would you all come to your knees? We are one in sin. We are one in failure. We are one in misery, one in helplessness and hopelessness. What's the point of being a kikuyu? if you're just as bad as a Luo. What's the point of being Kenyan if you're just as bad as the expatriates? What is the point of boasting in your upbringing if you are a failure too? It brings us all to our knees, but it doesn't leave us there. It raises us up together so that we believe in one Savior Together, we receive the same forgiveness in Christ. 
And in Paul's words, we are one new humanity. And friends, what the city needs more than anything else is a people who've seen that there's only one problem. It's got nothing to do with tribe or education. In the words of T.D. Jakes, it's not about skin, it's about sin. And because of that, there's only one solution available to every tribe in this country, and his name is Jesus. And in him, and worshiping him together. And I leave that as a challenge for us, one tribe. To not be just a church that is diverse, but to be a church that is integrated. Where we don't just come and see people who look different to me on a Sunday. Isn't that nice? I've ticked the box for my cultural experience. But there are people who are constantly moving outside of our comfort zone. Saying, look, you can't say the letter L, I can't say the letter R. But let's talk. Saying, I'm still learning sign language. And you can't hear me when I speak, but let's talk. I live in Kibera. You live in Karen. But let's talk. Because when the world sees that, and then they look at Russia and Ukraine, they look at tribalism from Rwanda down to Kenya, and they look back at this. Jesus says that's when they'll know that we are his disciples. And that's worth being a part of. That's worth fighting for. That's worth building one tribe from every tribe for the blessing of every tribe. Let's ask God to help us. Should we give them a hand? Let's stand together. Band's going to lead us in one final song, but let's just come before God right now. He's a good God. He loves to speak to us through His Word. And when we gather here on a Sunday, it's to be transformed. Monday to Saturday, there are conforming forces that conform us to this world and its way of thinking. But moments like this, Friends, we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Paul spent the first part of his life celebrating the different tribes that he was part of. Oh, he'd say, I thank God I'm a Jew. I thank God I'm a Pharisee. I thank God I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I thank God that I'm educated. I thank God. Then there came a point in his life where he said, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. Save in the cross. Christ, my Lord. 
What are you boasting in this morning? God's calling you to put it at the foot of the cross. That's called repentance. Are you boasting in which passport you hold? How many passports you hold? Forbid it, Lord. Are you boasting in your education? In your upbringing? Forbid it, Lord. Do you boast in your bank account, the car you drive, where you live, forbid it, Lord. Do you boast in the language that you speak? Do you boast in the tribe that you belong to? Forbid it, Lord. Do you boast in the color of your skin? Forbid it, Lord, that we should boast, save in the cross of Christ our Lord. He's a good God. Allow him, allow him into your heart. Open your heart. Don't fight. Say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you shine your light? Would you convict? Let's be transformed. It's a good thing to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This message speaks to how we look at ourselves. This message speaks to how we look at other people you look down on anyone because of the way they look, looks down on anyone because of their age, look down on anyone because of the way that they dress, look down on anyone because of what they do have or because of what they don't have. Have you built a wall in your heart towards any group of people? Maybe with good reason. Maybe there's history. But forbid it, Lord. Forbid it, Lord. Jesus, we know it's not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of the Lord. We ask for the help of your Spirit to make the gospel real in our hearts, to open our eyes, Jesus, because we know when we see you, our hearts can't help but be transformed. Jesus, may you be on full display in our hearts this morning, despised and rejected, familiar with suffering, familiar with pain, familiar with rejection, familiar with racism, familiar with tribalism, and dying on a cross. To declare us all failures, But to declare us rescued as one, redeemed as one, honored as one, given value as one. God, may we boast in the cross plus nothing this morning. In view of your great mercy.